Okay, welcome everybody. Good morning. And we'll have some people coming in and out the door, so for the next while. <clears throat> Just to not let it distract you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Wherever you like. Sure. You're fine. Just let there be a settling on the inside. Just a settling down. Let the body be at rest. in the phenomenal world, you know. It's only happening when you're thinking about it. If you don't put your attention on it, well, there's no perception of it. And sooner or later, you'll see that if your perception isn't on something, It's more unreal than real. It's our perception that solidifies the reality feel to whatever you imagine is happening. <clears throat> and if the identified you, the personal you, the character, the whatever you call yourself phenomenally. That person, if that person is viewing with all their own filters of how things should be and expectations and ideas and judgments, if all of these ideas are running, then what you see in front of you is only what you see because it has your unique tapestry of filter lenses blocking pure perception, which is actually trying to come through all the time. So there's pure perception arising out from your essence, from the core of your being, pure, pure perception, pure perceiving. Now, the dualistic framework will say, I am perceiving something. Then we've got this triad that comes in, subject to object. I, the subject, am seeing an object. Now it's divided, but your perception is doing that division. Just your perception is doing that division. Because as long as you think there's two, as long as you believe you're separate, then there's two. Then we've got duality. As long as you believe you are the person or you are the body, whatever version makes sense to you, if you believe you are your body, 
then okay, then we've got me and something else. We've got subject and object. And pure perceiving, which happens from the essence of what you are, is distorted. It comes through the lens of subject, object. So it breaks pure seeing into subject, object. Because that's the only way you can get the information back in, feed the information and interpret it back in. So this is how duality works. It is your own filter lenses that are in place that breaks up what is seamless into subject, object, me and you, division. Your own perception is doing it. And that's why we do this work, is to understand that my view is making this look like the scenario in front of me. With pure perception, that labeling of subject, object, of me and this, of color, shape, sound, texture, opinions, all of the story, pure perception doesn't do that labeling. That only kicks in when there's subject, object, your personal lens. Mm. So pure perception sees without labels. It's just, it's just what's happening. And it, it feels kind of cumbersome to like, well, to name what's happening. Okay, there's this and there's that. We have the capacity as pure perception to pick up a lens use it and drop it. It's like you're picking up a pen to write something. You're picking up your glasses to see small print more clearly. It's, it's like this, that when, there's, when pure perception is trusted, and, and, you, and you know that, that the viewing point from your body is just, is just a mechanism that's attributed to the body, and it's got nothing to do with who you are. So you've no clinging to it, you've no ownership with it. So that there's just this mechanism of breaking subject-object, which happens through your brain, through your mind, through the mechanism. All right. So in recognizing, gosh, you know, the, this, this is a, a filter lens distorting pure perception. If you can feel pure perception, for the Jack character, there was, there was a few years of not, not being able to pick up the dualistic lens, as I was talking about yesterday. Just things in the world didn't make sense. I remember looking at it. At a, at a, a, a movie, you know, during this, this time, I'd seen people kissing, you know, thinking, why are they doing that? <laughs> what? What is that? Could not work it out. It was like, somewhere this makes sense, because I know I used to do it, so. <laughs> what, what is it that, what is it that, that makes that happen? Could, could not see how the flow of attraction where it had its place because mm. it was just pure perception and so certain actions didn't make any sense so what happened after time was that pure perception was able to pick up and drop down and pick up and drop down without it being my viewpoint mm. now prior to that I didn't understand how it worked and I was like well how could once the truth is seen how could you be in a relationship how could not couldn't work it out and, and there's gratitude for how it happened now, because there's, like, there's a greater understanding of like the nature of pure perception, because that's about all, all that was running for about three years. And now, okay, a lens comes in, it's like picked up, and it's like, oh yeah, so that enables that function, dropped. And pure perception is the one where 
That's the one that's running all the time. And then when things need to be seen, they get picked up. A lot of things are missed because there isn't the automatic observation of subject to object all the time. So loads of things are not seen at all. Missed it, missed it, missed it, missed it. <laughs> and and it's, it's fine. I mean, it might be a pain in the ass for my husband or for somebody else, you know. <laughs> but, but really, what is significant, what needs to be seen? Sure, that, the filter, it just, it's, it's, it's going to do what it's going to do, whether it's efficient or not efficient. It's efficient enough mm. to enable functioning in the world. So the lenses come in and out. So when people say like, yeah, but I, I, might, I won't be able to do my job, I won't be able to do anything, there is an element of trust where you're going to have to trust that if you're not attached to your perceiving machine, if you're not attached to your point of perception, that the, the faculty or the, the ability to function in the world, it slides in, slides out, slides in, slides out. It's like, because a role gets played. A role of Jack sitting in satsang gets played. It's just a role. And the role of whatever, being a partner, being a husband, a wife, whatever it is called. <laughs> 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 that thing. That thing, that, that thing that I do with so, so that, you know, relationships, they kick in. The roles kick in, you know? So, so it's a good idea to really trust. That's kind of mm. like having the faith that you'll be carried. That's the surrender. Embedded within that is like, you know what? The universe is going to have a bit more wisdom because I can't manage that part. When there's no I there, you won't be able to control it. You won't. But it's all right. It's all right because it, 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 it'll find its way again. And it does find its way to enable life to happen again. You know? Can it be so gradual that you don't even know it just happens so smoothly? Yeah, it happens so smoothly, yes. Yeah, and there is um, <clears throat> plenty of examples of people. And one, one I read a lot about, he, he, he died in 94. So I never physically met him, uh, um, uh, a wise man in India who sat with Ramana Maharshi. He was, he was a kid when Ramana Maharshi was uh, in his later years. And um, uh, he, he just said, Enlightenment, waking up, I don't know what this thing you're talking about. And all the Westerners are talking about this. I don't know. I just know the last time I believed a thought was 1967. That's all I know. Mm. I just didn't believe a thought since 1967. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe a thought. A thought. A thought. Since 1967. I didn't believe a thought. Mm. Is that waking up? I don't know. <laughs> you know? No Big Bang. No rewiring that he was aware of. Missed mm. the whole thing. Mm. Missed the whole thing. You know, or, or it was so subtle and so <laughs> gradual, or ships happened in the night when he was asleep, or... You know, so, so there's that too, huh? Yeah, I remember Nizigar Data says in his book, everybody's, words the effect of, everybody seems to overlook pure cognition. And when I read that, I was like, yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, yes. 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 yes, yes, Pure cognition. Pure knowing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes you kind of cry because it's sort of like, oh, that's that's right. That's yes, that's me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The me that's not me. You know? That's right. That's the pure you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So if there is pure perceiving, without you looking at something. 
it's worth trying it out, even right now, just to see, can there be uh, maybe a dropping into or an aligning with? Just pure perceiving, perceiving without an attempt to understand. It's like, it's like you soften your focus a bit. It's a little bit like that. It's kind of like softening your focus so that there isn't that contraction of labeling. You know when you're, so even the way my body is going down, like when, I, when, I, when I'm saying, you know, you're trying to figure out something and you're, you, you kind of contract something to, to look at the details. It's like let it be wide. It's broader. Pure perceiving is broader. It doesn't have that contraction of labeling of subject-object. So see if these words can be heard, but there isn't a Jack and a you uh, connecting through this language. See if there's just pure, pure perceiving, not you looking at something, but perceiving happening. Just perceiving. So you're dropping the dualistic grid that breaks it into you looking at the Jack character, you listening to these words. Without that lens, it's there all the time. It's just that our attention goes on the, the lens, the breaking up dualistic framework. You see? You see? So pure perceiving. Just the verb. Simple. And if words make sense, they make sense. And if they don't, don't grasp them. Let it be as it is. It might have the sense of just allowing. If a recognition or a comprehension of the words happen, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. No grasping, no grasping. No grasping. Kind of soft. Just pure perceiving. That's a function of pure consciousness. Pure perceiving is a function of pure consciousness. And it's before any of this duality kicks in. Before any illusion gets solid. But yet it enables the form to function. And there's no room for a controller. There's no space for a controller. So we can deal with controlling issues, that's one way, or you can just do the direct path, huh? Just dropping into that pure, organic, natural flow that arises through the form. Doesn't need the superimposition of the character, the personality and its desires and all these other layers that we plop on top. The fundamental foundation is exquisitely perfect. With pure perception, a 
response that sometimes arises in the body is bliss. This is when bliss comes. And you'd probably you know, come across it in a lot of, um, of the older style of, of literature about this. You know, it's like a state of bliss. And it's like, yeah, state of bliss is the consequence of no filter at all in place. Bliss arises because pure consciousness is flowing, because pure perception is all that's happening. And bliss is an arising whew, exquisiteness from it. Another thing that happens with, with pure perception is um, you might get a glimpse and say, oh my god, it's perfect. Everything is perfect. It's totally perfect. And you just get a, like a, oh, you just get to see the perfection in everything. Yeah. And the, the perfection, when, if, if this has happened to you, yeah. this will make sense. If it doesn't, it hasn't happened to you, don't worry about it. Let it just cruise on back. With pure, when, when you see the perfection in everything, the, the labeling, the, the labeling mechanism, the subject object is starting to come in when it says, oh, the world is perfect. There is total perfection in how things are playing. Already, the labeling, the subject object is saying, the world is perfect. What's happening is that, is that this, the pure perfection is a characteristic of pure consciousness. But what does the mind do? It has to project it onto something because it's so used to subject object. So it throws perfection onto what it sees. So then we say the world is perfect or the, oh, that's, there's perfection. Oh my God, everything is perfect. It's that kind of space opens up and you see. Do you know, a few of you have gotten that? Yeah, mm -hmm. like the total perfection of everything. How did I even think? Mm, huh. You know, <laughs> but you're already in there. You're already in there. Because perfection is, the perfection is a characteristic that arises from pure consciousness, pure perceiving. We're already contaminating it and throw it onto something. Let something be perfect. We're heading back then into subject-object and of course the perfection drops. Gone again. It was just a glimpse. You were running away from it when you, when you saw, when your perception told you, and you believed it, that what's happening around you or what you see is perfect. You see? Mm -hmm. So when you're in that space, what do you do to maintain that space? You don't obviously want to start labeling it, but how do you stay there? That's the controller. Now you're going to get deeper into it. You do something about it. Right, right. It's like trying to do it pushes it away. Trying to do it pushes it away. Right. Yeah. I'll come back to that. Uh -huh. Yeah, I heard the word, and I was curious when I heard it, enter the nothingness. Yes, yes, yes. Even prior to that, what I suppose what I'm doing this weekend is giving all kinds of pointers so that people will find, oh, I know that, I can recognize that, to, to expand whatever pathway is drawing you away from the dense dualistic perspective. So enter the nothingness. If it makes sense to you, it's like, it's, it's prior, it's place, it's drop, pulling your attention home because your attention rises up and goes out yeah. to something in the world. And into the nothingness pulls your attention back. Because what's your attention going to do on nothing? No, it's got nothing to see, explore, talk about, label. Because nothing is just blank. So it's like what you're saying, going into the silence? Going into the silence. Okay. So entering into the nothingness 
It's like even prior to silent, to silence. Depends on what, you know, mm -hmm. if, if, depends on what silence is. If silence is, is a state or a place, or, it's empty nothing. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. That's what I call it. So it's a good pointer into the nothingness. But what you're doing is you're withdrawing your attention whole. Mm. Now life will tell you, yeah, but I can't function. And it's like, that's not true. That's just, that's just the ego trying to give you a reason for pulling your attention back out in the world again. What it feels like is that a small percentage of your attention it, uh, can come out into the world. Most of you is, is, that's what it feels like, and that's energetically kind of what happens too, is that you're at home, but somehow there's a functionality, a minimal functionality that's necessary, that takes care of the outside. Feels like that. But the nothingness is the backdrop. That's there all the time. So the, a little bit of energy is needed to make the, the movie appear. Mm. It's a little bit of, you know, a faculty, like, of, of the senses, enough attention to kind of have the body registering the information that the senses are bringing in. Mm. That's about it. That's all that's needed. It's negligible. It's negligible. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to your point. Um, what was it again? Same oh, the controller yeah. about how to stay there. Um, see, trying to stay there is actually the opposite. That's, that's the trouble. And you can see why, you know, it's like, okay, now we're trying to grasp it and we've gone deeper into the story. So that question has to be asked from the story. It has to be asked from the personal eye. How do I get this? So one thing is to tell the eye, you're not going to get this. You're not going to get this. That's not your domain. It's not about an experience. It's what I am shows itself when, when, when what I think I am stays quiet. So the most effective way is to, is to drop all identification with what you think you are. To recognize when there is a, a me who's grasping something, who wants to get something. It's like, stop, 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 stop being greedy, stop being greedy, stop, rest. You're not going to get this, stop. So the more you can withdraw the investment in the personal eye, then the more space there is for attention to be resting in what's, what you really are. Depends on where you put your attention. You can't put your attention on pure consciousness. You can direct it there. But if you put your attention there, then you've got the control of grabbing the concept. You see? So it's tricky. So you've got to kind of appease the person alive, the greedy one, who always wants something. Uh -huh. It's like, hey, you controller, it's okay. I'm onto you. I'm onto you. And it's the mind talking to the mind. But it kind of works. You know? <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. Yeah, so, okay, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Let's just drop everything. Let's just drop everything. And when the personal eye story is dropped, there is space there. But if there's a little bit of the personal eye saying, okay, I've dropped that now. I should feel the expansion. It's like, you didn't drop it at all, actually. You just turned it around. You know? So it, it's a genuine surrender and dropping. So to fight the mind won't work. It's like a loosening, a softening. A letting go, and like, hey, you know, if it'll happen, it'll happen. If it doesn't, it doesn't. 
There's an awareness of what it is. It can show when it shows. And your only gig is to break identification any time that you're there. Break identification. Because if your attention isn't there, there's space for it to be at home in what you really are. That makes sense? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's go ahead. talking, I'm becoming aware that, um, like for example, I was at breakfast and with my friends or lunch dinner or something, and I, she was talking, and I she thought I was being a little rude because <laughs> I felt I didn't want to talk. Yeah, it, it, it's like it's like there's something that just wants to be quiet much more, you know. It feels like I think that's what you're saying. It just it doesn't want to do so much engaging, or, um, or the old style would be, oh, I need to go do the work, Brian and Katie work on this, and then, but now I'm more going, you don't have to. Okay. You don't, you don't have to work on anything. Okay. All you have to do is just keep dropping in. Okay. And then, you know, now my poetry will come spontaneously, and then things will come through, but yeah. it's not forced. Okay. It's just happening in the moment. Okay. And then things come through, and sometimes emotion, and that feels right. Yes. But this, um, it feels, but I get annoyed. Like when, when something, when I feel like I have to respond, you know, like, like so it's a little tricky. Yes. Like I didn't, I don't want to, I didn't want to be rude to yes. my friend. Yes. But I just said, I, I just want to be quiet. Yes. <laughs> you know, and um, I guess that just has to be okay. Yeah. You, know? um, you see, what you're speaking about is, is, a, is a, a very good example of, of the times we live in. Yeah. Because we don't have quiet places or church every morning or mm -hmm. that space, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we come and go with meditation because we're not very disciplined in our culture. And, mm -hmm. you know, so we mm -hmm. don't actually have a place mm -hmm. to cultivate the rewiring th that's yes. going on. Yes. I know we will evolve, of course, mm -hmm. to be able to integrate it much more, but we're in this transition phase of not having a ashram, yes. not having right. a, a, the quiet place right. to cultivate it. Right. Okay. So, so why we're in this transition, and if it's happening like this for you, you got to find a place of where the quietness is cultivated, is nurtured. Here, but here's where the other struggle was. Yeah. Before, um, even before my husband died, um, I would notice that there would be, if I felt like there were a couple of days where I didn't have too much planned, I would feel fear. Huh. And, and then when he died, I, um, I would go into this, if some, like say I would have people over and they would leave, I would feel this panic, like this panic, like I just can't be alone. Yes. You know, so there's just been this real conflict between I want to go deeper, but <clears throat> something's really terrified here. Is that, is that panic and anxiety still running? 
Because there seems to be a pull for the quiet now. Yeah, and I think I did some work with it, mm. you know, and I, I haven't had it in a few weeks. Okay. And I haven't been as alone. So, um, I mean, I just know I have to, whatever it is, I have to walk through it. Yes. You know, I just yes. have to feel, you know, but, but feel it from the, the peace. Yes. You know, feel it from the, that place. You yes. Know, just be with whatever. Yes. It's, it's some, probably some old terror, you know, <laughs> just feels yes. like terror on some level. Yes. Yeah. But I knew that I knew I couldn't try to fill it with anything. Like yeah. people say, "Oh, get a dog or a cat," and I don't want an animal. No, you don't know, fill I, it. No, You're right. don't you fill it. Yeah. Or relationship or anything. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, you know, I'm by myself in my house, and you know, as hard as that is, sometimes on another level, it's like, no, this is exactly what you need. Yes, is to walk through whatever is in the way of yes. you abiding. Yes. Here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I, and you know, schedule something and then leave a gap, and schedule something and leave right, a gap. Right. Manage it a bit right. better now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Manage it strategically. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. Be yes. strategic now right. while giving yourself a break. Right. Because if you think too, like yesterday, we've had like whatever it is, four and a half hours or something of like full on intellectual talk, no, yes. and energy work. Yes. It's full on. Of yes. course, you would, would want to have withdrawn. Of course, you would. Yeah. And it's about recognizing what you need. Right. Because yeah. we don't have the structures, we don't have the models. Yeah. So you've got to recognize what you need. Right. You know. Yeah. So be strategic around managing your quiet yeah. space. Yeah. It's more around that. Yeah. You know. Um, sure. If it's it's increasingly, you find people say, you know what? I just I just don't want to talk this evening. It becomes kind of normal. People are saying this to each other. I just I just mm -hmm. want to meet anybody. Yeah. And it's normal. You know. Yeah. Twenty years yeah. ago, that was kind of weird. You know. But it's it's more normal now, yeah. you know. But that thing you were talking about the other day, yesterday, about that there's a lot of things I don't even care about anymore. Yes, yes. It just doesn't matter. Yes. I don't watch television. I don't watch. I read if I can find something of any interest, which is challenging. Okay. You know. Okay. And um, talk on the phone. I do still do that. Sure. Sometimes, sure. You know? but, That's perfect because um, you've got. It's less of a commitment yeah. than meeting somebody, yeah. you know? They'll think, I don't want to be alone, but then I, if I think about being with anybody, I don't really want to do that either. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Short connections are good. Yeah. Coffee instead of dinner. Yeah. You know, yeah. short connections are very effective. Yeah. Especially when grief is moving through, because you yeah. need a little bit of a holiday from it. And right, go back exactly. And a bit Balance. of a holiday. Yeah. Balance. Be really yes. strategic. That yeah. can really help you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's endemic of our time. Yeah, you know, to kind of like, how, how do I do without being rude? And right. and you'll find you lose some friends who don't get it, and right. and the ones who right. kind of no, won't it. take it personally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. if they take it personally, okay, you know, yeah, that's, that's their problem. That's really. where they're at, exactly. Yeah. And all you can do is be as gentle as you can. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So the only other question I have uh -huh. is uh, uh, just a little one that, and you were talking about your tooth because. Definitely having two teeth issues, and then you said, "I got." I asked myself. You said, "It would it be okay if this?" You said, "Would it be okay if this didn't leave or something?" Remember you said, "Yeah." That? Is there a desire for is it there to a go? desire for it to go? The, the audit for desires, right? Yeah. So does that mean? But that doesn't mean you didn't take care of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was sitting there, and I was like, "Okay, is check? Is there a desire here for this to go?" I was like, "God, no, I, I can't." Because all I could focus on was my breath. You know, when the pain is so bad, right. that pain yeah. is so bad, yeah. all you can do is just make sure you're breathing. That's the only thing you can do, right. you know, was that right. level. Right. And, um, and it's just like, okay, 
Okay, okay, all right, right. There's no desire for it to go, so this is here. And then it was like, okay, okay. What's gonna happen, what's gonna happen? And I put my, my head down, my two thumbs up into my eyes, and I found some really tender spot mm. there, in, just under mm. my eyebrow. I said, oh, wow, bet you it's an acupuncture point. And I pressed, and I pressed, and I pressed, and I pressed, and the pain went. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. It'll just get... Something came in know. completely. I mean, yeah. if somebody said press here, it probably wouldn't have worked. Do you know? Right. <laughs> Do you know? It's just, but listening it was just to what, like, yeah. all right, okay, there's no desire for us to go. All right, okay. Yeah. So this is how it is. All right. And whoops, down my, my hands. <laughs> my hands went up to rest my head on my hands in desperation, probably, you know, like <gasps> trying to deal with it and bingo, hit two pressure points. Yeah. Well, there's a little confusion because when you were talking to that woman with the physical problems, you know, and, and then you said, take care of it. And I thought, I'm real clear that I have to take care of yes. this, but that seems, feels like a desire. Okay. Ah, you okay. Say, like, I don't want it. I don't want to be in pain. Okay. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're doing it because of a desire. What's great is that you recognize that there's a desire there to get rid of the pain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So beneath that, we do have, we do have, a self-maintenance thing because every race does. We jump out of the way if there's going to be a, you know, a, a car that's threatening your walking path. Right. You're going to move, you know? Right. So we do have a self-preservation natural mechanism as part of our species. Okay. okay? And that's all right. The trick is, is to feel when the self-preservation is moving. And, uh, and that, will, that will bring you to the dentist. Mm. But what happened was you, you must have missed that or the desire came in really quickly and superimposed on top of it. And that happens if we imagine that, well, I'm going to be the one who has to take care of this. Mm, yes, yeah, an old pattern for me. So, I have to take care so of it. So if yeah. I have to take care yeah. of it, of course, I have to have a desire for a particular outcome to make me take care of it. Right. So that's the loop of thinking, which is superimposed upon the natural order, which would have brought you to the dentist. Maybe not as quickly, but mm. it would have brought you to the dentist. Mm. So there's a loop of thinking that's now running. And it's, it's diff now, now it just feels like the desire is going to take you to the dentist. And probably, you know, you're, you're too thick in the story now. You can't see that there's a natural flow. You okay. see? Okay. You know, that would get you to the dentist. So for this one, okay, all right. So, so you've seen it before you went to the dentist and you recognize it's a desire. Yeah. The next time, it's like, oh, I got to take care of that. It's like, stop, stop, stop. What's happening here? Is there a natural move to take care of this? Will the, or do I have to take care of it? So when we start to recognize something, the next time it comes in, something of a similar framework, we see it a bit sooner. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it a bit sooner. And we see it a bit sooner. That's how that works. So it's more, do I have to take care of it as opposed to, can I trust that it will, I will just yes. know what to do in yes. a given moment? Yes. Without the, without the, the mind contracting and, yeah. okay, I've got yeah. to manage this yeah. now. Because I've, I've done a, a lot of that over the years. I've felt like I had to <coughs> yes. do a lot of physical things. Yes. Okay. So you've, you've, got, yeah. a, you've yeah. got a loop yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. You've got a loop there. Okay. Whereas with the lady yesterday, that loop has to kick in, actually. You know, sometimes there's yeah. a place for that loop. Yeah, and then right, there's a, right. You know, you have to have that experience of being able to manage in the world, manage yourself. Right, yes. And then we drop it. 
but it's part of the ego maturing. It's part of that wisdom to know how the ego works. Mm. You see? We need it and then we don't need it. But it's an experience that needs to be had. Mm. Otherwise, we haven't mastered the world. Mm. And, and we need to master it to be done with it. Mm. Otherwise, it's always a challenge and we're doing spirituality to run away from the challenge of the world. Right. That's no good. That's just denial. Mm. So, I'm, so I'm like overtaking care of things, Correct. you could say. And Correct. Spent a lot of money on holistic people that if I had it now, I'd be so rich. <laughs> you know? Sure, but, but you would be someplace else on your spiritual path too. Yeah, that's what I had to go through. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Every experience, yeah. It's, yeah. everything you did is right at the time. Sure. You wouldn't have done it otherwise. It had to be sure. right at the time or, sure. or the only option, even if it didn't feel right. It was the only door open. Right. So that had to happen. Yeah. It has to happen. <laughs> But now we're, we're kind of, it's not in the expansion of experience phase anymore. If you're at satsang, we're, at the, we're beginning to reduce it. Right. You know? It's still okay to want it taken care of. Of course. Yeah. I mean, of course. It doesn't feel like right to, I don't know, Byron Katie's story where she had this pain in her eyes and then she was just falling downstairs because yeah. she was blind. She thought it was just fine with it. But her husband was the one that was supposedly... Yeah. Yeah, you know, and yet there's other things I've heard about her that she had this problem or that problem, but somehow it always got taken care of. Yes, yes, <laughs> you know, yes, yes. So it's um, yeah. Some of it. Okay, this is a, an interesting point actually, and it's a little bit of a deviation, but I think it might be of interest. Yeah. There has been a tradition. You know, it's in so many religions. There's a tradition of denying the body. Um, in, in yes. you know, ignoring yes. it and denying it. And that has been a very useful methodology for, for uh, seeing desire and for dropping desire. But the body takes the rap. Yeah. You yes. see? Yeah. Like falling down yes. the stairs because of her eyesight. Yes. The body's taking the rap. Yes. She could e easily have done some damage that might just show up in years to come or if right. she hasn't. Sure. I mean, right. the body takes the rap. Yes. Now, you see, you don't care that the body takes the rap, actually, because it's just the body and you're not the body. Right. That stage, she's out. You yeah. see? Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that's how that works itself out. But, but I, somehow there's a feeling here that that is going to get tidied up a little bit because it stems from something that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. It stems from a very arduous way of dropping desires. It stems from mm -hmm. a denial of the body. There must mm. be other ways mm. of dealing with desire instead of, mm. instead of it being at the price of the body. Mm. That makes sense. You see? Yes. And that's part of the transition that we're doing now. It's like just purging the religious tradition from dealing mm. with desire. Mm. So, so what will kick in is that there's a preference to have no physical pain. Mm. And the preference will motivate you. The desire... Mm. Once, I want no physical pain. But the preference can go either way, but it allows the space for the natural movement to go towards wellness and harmony. Mm. And then if you can't have that, for whatever, if you've tried um, everything, yeah. then you have to just make the best of life. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, okay, so this is how it is. For this now. is how it is. Yeah, for now. exactly. For now. Exactly. Yeah. And the preference will make that fine. Yeah. It's like, okay, we did what we could and it's still persisting. Let's see if another solution arises. Mm. But with the desire, you'll be tooth and nail. To, I gotta get this fixed. I gotta get this fixed because mm -hmm. there's an attachment to the outcome. That's mm -hmm. pain. Yeah. 
you know, whatever the presenting issue is, the pain is holding the desire, you know. And is there sometimes, I don't even know what I think of karma, but it came in my head to say this, so is there sometimes almost, a, could there be a karmic thing going on that just has to be worked through? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like I always say, I have, I have bad dental karma, <laughs> I find myself saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So many issues. But, yeah. But leave space for that. That's a belief to too. Yeah. That's belief. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I've had bad dental karma. Is a good way to start right. closing that. In my other life. Belief. <laughs> yeah. Last, last until week. today. Yes. Last week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, just to just to sever that belief. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Sure. Okay. So, Jack, also the body is consciousness, so it's worthy of love and care of. I mean, in, in a non attached way, right? That's also a way to approach it. The body is consciousness. The body is consciousness, sure. So Everything is consciousness. consciousness. Yeah. But it's also non being. Yeah. It's also, it doesn't exist at all. Yeah, exactly. And so, when, when your perception is moving between it doesn't exist at all, and it's not real to like, actually it's exquisite because it's divine manifestation. Yeah. It gets confusing. Yeah. 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 So it depends from where you view your right. viewing right. from. So, so <laughs> what the mind will do is it will grab a spiritual concept that it likes, yes. but that will be a hiding place for something. Right. It's like, well, what feels authentic? What's the viewing point running here? Stay authentic. Well, it feels like that's part of that natural preservation, just moving toward healing. Okay. And that's an expression of, All right. rec you know, it's consciousness yes. it's moving toward healing. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's how I was putting it. Yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yes, okay, I, f I can find your thread. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because denying the body is cool, really. I mean, it's... It happens, but it's, it's, it's logging. Yeah, it is. It comes from do. it comes from the tough, tough days. Yeah, yeah when they flog yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah, it yes. does. It comes from that, from the denial of it. You know, yeah. the suppression of sex, Poor and body. depression, suppression, and look at the issues yeah. that come from so much suppression. You know. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's fine. That's just how we roll as a race, huh? <laughs> Learning as we go. Good morning. I'm Good morning. Anita. Um, this takes a lot of nerve to be here up here. Yesterday I came <clears throat> with a notion of questions and I thought I had it all organized. Well, now I feel when I left yesterday, obviously I've not said anything, <clears throat> excuse me, I felt like um, you had, um, it's a little too close. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, it, it felt like you had come with all your uh, lessons prepared, but you were taking the wrong test. It was like every, everything got blown apart, upside down, like you were being shook up, all the pieces fell out, and now they're coming back in again, but they're not falling back in the same slots. Yes, ah, good. <laughs> so, he, so uh, as I was driving back, I was actually happy I had to go to Port Orange, which is an hour and a half, so... I was really beating myself up for, you know, not, you know, with all the emotions going on. What I also realized is that I'm coming from a spiritual 
point different from what you are teaching. So that's what this was all new to me. I'm coming from a healing point uh, where I come through, I am a holistic healer. I have taken many healing modalities and I work with colors and my gut feeling. Yes. And I have definitely come to believe in my gut feeling. Yes. It's, that is truly right. Yes. It took like a, a, a two by 12 to get me there, uh, to believe it like quickly. Uh, I had uh, built a house in uh, 75 in 83. Uh, come hella high water, I wanted a um, alarm system. And uh, the neighborhood was nice. There has never been a robbery or anything. Well, I had the alarm system put in in July, Christmas morning, Eve, my house burned. And we were sleeping and we came out alive because the alarm system. So that was definitely a wake up call for me to keep trusting. Keep listening. My, yeah. Mm. And from then on, everything went with between um, healing medallions coming in, you know, people offering it, taking courses, learning, mm -hmm. starting to heal, and all of these colors came in. So now I am struggling with trying to understand your way yes. of your explaining spirituality, where I'm coming from, yes. the other one. And I do um, meditation uh -huh. um, every night at 9 o'clock. And I go into what I call my quiet space, my empty space, and it's actually wonderful. I love it in there. <laughs> it, it's, I don't, wouldn't call it an escape, but it is just a beautiful place to be for me. Uh -huh. And what now I am dealing with is when I do healing, I have all of these colors coming. Yes. And they are in like vortexes, but when I do um, uh, meditation, they're also colors, but they're much more soft and gentle. Mm. And mm. so, however, I still have that one gut feeling in me that there's still something which has not come. Yes! yes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that! Yeah. <laughs> and I... I, I and now, you know, I get what you're saying, get the eye out of it. Because I am saying, you know, I have worked all of these years on uh, trusting and getting rid of this, getting rid of that. Sure. Embracing this, embracing that, yes. opening up. And why is this one, why is this not coming? Come on, yes. come on, come on. Yes. You know, I have, I've been a good girl. I've done all of this work. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> dedicated most of your life to it. Yes, I have, uh -huh. actually. And all from little, uh, growing up in a country where we were occupied with the soldiers with guns in each corner the first five years of my life. So that had to be worked through. Sure. And, you know, and then people saying, don't say this, you're crazy. So you had to work that out. And sure. then marrying a nice Irish husband who was only happy when he's miserable. So you have to. <laughs> so you but the, I learned to turn that upside down, well and I learned from it, like to to be stronger and and say, hey, yes. this is your journey. Yeah, you yeah, know, be miserable if you me. want. That's fine. But I can't mm. go there. Yeah. 
So, so I feel I've done all this work. Yes. And I'm really old too. <laughs> so it's not like okay. you know. Uh, okay. When is this thing coming? Okay. I'm going to tell you a bit about the Jack story. Um, I, I, for about six years, I worked as an energy as an energy healer. It came in intuitively. I was able to yeah. see chakras all of a sudden one day. Just all, it's dead people, and then a year later, like chakra system, just like six months. I can't remember. And I can see past lives, and I can see energy fields, and da, 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 da. Mm. And so I worked intuitively like crazy. And then one day, one day, uh, so I could only see two people a day because the work was really deep, really heavy, like full on. It was like, you know, really strong stuff. So um, a woman called one day and make an appointment, and I said, okay, okay, but I have a six-month waiting list, so I can, I'll call you back in four months' time, and we'll schedule something. And she went, what? Six months? What? And I said, yeah. And it was the first time I registered. Oh my god, oh my god! Yeah. Like I'm, I'm completely married to this thing. I can't, you know. And uh, um, I, I just, oh my god! So it's, it's. She said, but my, what? I need help with something now. So we had this kind of conversation, which was really for me to, to understand. I've bound myself up with this thing, and it's just going to keep going and keep going and keep getting busier and busier, and. It, it's not good enough. Something, there's something else. What is it? Something else. And it came from this phone call with a potential client. So I um, immediately, I just thought, okay, this is what we're going to do. Cancel the waiting list. Cancel the whole thing. So I phoned up all these people, all lined up, and canceled the whole thing. And I shut it down. Shut it down. Not a clue. I just thought, okay, I just know there's more. And what I'm doing is fine. It's great. It's like I'm learning, I'm growing, and I'm doing this energy work, and... Loads of people get helped, fine. But there's more. One or the other. Which is it going to be? And I just sat, not having a clue. But I made the space for it. And I didn't have a clue. And I remember um, coming across a book of Paramahansa Yogananda. Not his autobiography of Yogi. Another one. Not having a clue what he was talking about. And it was something about self-realization. Just talking about self-realization. And I said... Realising what? 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 Because I saw the world in terms of energy and, and just raising my vibration and doing work globally and locally and changing energy fields and setting up grids and da da da, you name it. I was out there doing it. And um, I was like, is this spirituality? I don't know what it's... And it just reminds me when you're talking about how it was for you yesterday, it's like, I kind of remember that. Do you know? A similar version of that. But, but from a practical level, what I did was I just had to shut it down and say, okay, all right, come on, come on, show me then. I, I, I've done this. I'm, I'm doing the same thing for six or seven years now. Come on, show me what, what's next. And in the space, I was brought towards non-duality, which absolutely was the, the next and final phase. Is that what, <clears throat> then what I mean by, like, when I meditate or when I, you know, ask my guides, I want to meet with my soul self. I really want to be part with that and experience with and go into another duality, um, into a different vibration. Yes. Is that what we, I'm really maybe well, what asking you're, what for? You're, yeah, but what, well, you, you know you need something more. You know there's a pull to something extra. Yes. All right. But what's happening is that the the ego the 
you know, that which is the personal I is using, it's, is using another version of energy work, another story within that to keep the show going. You see, energy work is enormous, as you know. It's yes. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's, it's infinite. The amount of dimensions and uh, it's just incredible. It's, it's fantastic. really a privilege to work with it. Indeed. I, I of course. feel it's a great privilege. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, but it will keep, keep, keep forming. It has to be infinite, of an infinite supply, because everything is energy, ultimately. Yeah. So it keeps manifesting and changing and, and morphing. So what, what the ego will do, was it will give you another story that's energetic. Oh. That's okay. what you're telling me. So, so for you to meet your higher self, it's like there's still you meeting. And even if there's you merging, we still have one. And you know what? That's one too many. Yeah. Yeah, okay, this, this is what yeah, I was struggling with because it was a new way of looking at it. Yes. You were, you were teaching. Yes, I, I'm kind of saying come out beyond energy work and see energy work for what it is. Beautiful and exquisite, but for what it is. It's still a game within the illusion. It's still mm -hmm. a game within creation. Mm -hmm. That's true. If you want to yeah. know really who you are, then, then you've got to have distance from that, from that world. You can still do it if you want. And I work so hard on it. Oh, listen. <laughs> I know. I know. One day I sat down and worked out how much money I spent on therapy. Just, just to kind of arrive at the fact of, you know, none of it was necessary. Of course it was. But, but there was a phase of seeing, oh my God, that's not where it's at at all. And I had to work out just to completely swallow the pill. You know, of like, all right. So basically, you put it down the toilet. Because it's not what you were. You were fixing who you weren't. You know? But so, yeah, yeah, there comes a point of accepting that all those years, all that effort, all of that. But the experience was necessary. But I wouldn't have gotten to this point either if I hadn't done all of that. You'll never know, so. will you? Well, true. Really, you'll never know. Well, I think the garbage was pretty heavy, though. Yeah. Then, to sure. work through. Especially sure. the... I would say the first five years of my life. Sure. When sure. you are living under yeah, depression, that, that takes serious work. That takes. Sure. That takes work. Sure. All right. Well, sure. I guess I have to let go. Well, <laughs> see how it sits. The yeah. thing is, like, if 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 you're ready for the final <laughs> circuit, and and I'm not saying that this will, you know, enlightenment will happen, or I, I don't know. I don't know. That's mm. like grace. That's your destiny. That's mm. I don't know. I'm no. There's mm. no guarantees here. But, but this work is the end game. Mm -hmm. yeah. The end game might be three lifetimes. I don't know. But it's the end game, yeah. of course. Yeah. Because it's about it's what's true. real and what's not real. Yeah. That's what it's about. Nothing else. Yeah, it's true. I get it. You know? I get it. Thank you. Okay, surely. Mm -hmm. Hello, I'm Robin. Hi, Robin. And um, so I want to continue along the same um, vein as, as um, Lita. Kala, Lita. Mm. Um, and my question is, um, is there really the opportunity to break through as a householder? I mean, I'm, I lead a very um, active life. I work in corporate America. Corporate America is totally driven by desire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. our, our consumer culture is totally driven by desire. Yes. It's very tough here. Desires yes. are promoted everywhere you turn. And I work, my background is marketing. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's right in the heart of that. And, it is. Yeah. 
wonderful. Yeah. But you I, see it. Yeah. You're not defending it. You see it. I do. Now I've switched and I work in innovation and innovation for um, Florida Blue, which is uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida. So I, and my job is to try and help people be healthier. So it's a very, very, um, it aligns with my, yeah. my um, heart. But I, and I have um, two children and a husband and a lot of overhead in my life. And I'm very committed to, um, to the commitments I've made around, around that. Yes. And I enjoy it. Yes, good. <laughs> But I feel like I'm in two worlds because I'm also very driven to, I feel very pulled to the spiritual path and the mystical path, and I've been very focused on that for 20 years. And I make time in my life every day, an hour or so, for quiet time. But the rest of my time is very noisy. So I'm just, I'm wondering if I can, how far you can move down the path if you don't really totally break from all that noise. Okay. <clears throat> it, don't, it won't stop you at all. But your relationship with it has to change. Your world can continue exactly the same, but how you connect to it is what will change. Where do you feel the clashes? Why do you feel there's an opposition? Or how do you experience the opposition, I suppose, is a better way to ask. Well, there's such, you know, in, in my work life, everybody's so ego-driven. Yeah. You know, they all, everybody's trying to promote themselves, and it's, and, um, so in reading your book, it was very, um, it was very refreshing to me to, to read about. So don't put your focus on external, you know, the external making, feeding you. So I thought that was, that was very, um, that, that helped me to reframe and realize what I'm doing. Yes, okay. So... So how much have you... Okay, so you've, you've got, a, you've got a, an objectivity around, yeah, it's desire-driven, it's corporate, it's, and then there's a shift to, 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 to promoting health. Okay. How much have you still bought into it? Or can you see that the whole thing is a game? I can see the whole thing as a game, but I still feel like I have two feet, one foot in one world and one in another because... I see the whole thing as a game, but still I have a desire to, to honor my commitments to my family and... Yes. Yes. So it, I'm poor. <coughs> yes. <coughs> so the, the funny thing is, you can do the same thing without feeling torn. It's about how you view them, or what, what beliefs are underpinning your commitments to your family. Do you know? Like, you'll feel torn if the commitment comes from a belief that I need to honour what I promised to do. I have standards that I have set up for myself. I want to do this because, because it's the right thing or the good thing. Yeah. I, I'm interested in those things because that is what is um, the source of the energy 
which you which which is following through in your commitment. The commitment can be there, but it can be light and easy. But there's something something denser, which is motivating the commitment. You see, so the commitment doesn't have to change, but what's behind it, your relationship with it, that's what has to change. So what is it that's underpinning? What are your beliefs, your values that are holding it together? That's a good question. So I, I guess my, it's, it feels like I have to, I made a promise to my, you know, to my husband and my children and a, a promise to provide and yes and it feels like baggage in a way yes but yet I do want to honor it okay okay so we can break the promise and have the option to continue to provide because the promise from what you said there the promise is the heavy bit the promise mm -hmm. is the is the baggage like having yourself bound into a contract that, that you prescribed for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so if I choose it and it's light, then it's yes. it's not it's not holding me back. Correct. Correct. I don't know if this would sound nutty to your husband, but it actually probably would help you a lot. Is to tell him, you know what? I'm going to still do what I do, but I need to say I'm breaking the promise that I've made. <laughs> would that be totally nutty to him, or would that be okay? I think for now I just need to keep that in my, you know, right. not, not to verbalize that. Okay. Because that would create more conflict potentially. Or All right. I don't, I don't know if you would get it. Okay, very good. Very good. That's, that's great. It needs to be witnessed somewhere. You need to feel good about it and own it if you can go there and say, actually, I, I need to just do this for the love of it. Because it's what I do for 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week. That's what I do. But... But I'm not bound to it. I'm not bound to it. I can actually just go on a plane and head off. I could quit. I could quit. And you know what? We'll work out something. We'll just scale down and downsize and downsize in every which way and we'll be all right. So you need to know you've got those outs so that it gets lighter. But so breaking the promise, breaking that commitment, and what does that mean to you? Does it mean you're being disloyal? What, what, what does it shake? What rules are you living by? Because they're not working for you, they're heavy. Yeah. So if you can do that work inside, find somebody who knows you well that, that will be a witness if it's not your husband. Just, just find somebody who can witness that, who like, oh, okay. Because if you can hear yourself and have it witnessed, somehow you're, you're out of it. And, and I have, also have a fear of ending up like Eckhart Tolle on a park bench for two years. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's in the warm country. What's that? It's in the warm climate. Yeah, I don't need as many cardboard boxes here. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, it would be good to reach a point. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. There's a woman that Sinead might know of who spent years, she's probably died, I don't know. She, she used to be like, I'd say in her early 60s. He, you know, heck, she could have been 40s because I'm quite sure she didn't have a home base. So it's hard to tell, but she looked like an older lady. And she had 
she had this crucifix that was about maybe six foot by four foot wide, like a crucifix thing. And she used to put it over her shoulder some days, and on other days she'd have a huge rosary bead, a huge thing, like each, each bead was like, you know, like two inches wide or three inches wide. Huge rosary bead thing. So she could have the cross over her shoulder and she'd be hanging onto the, wielding the, the, the rosary beads. And she'd walk up and down, a, 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 like a, a, the main street in Dublin, the main street in Dublin, which has like a pedestrian place for bicycles and trees in the centre, you know, where the, where yeah. the left and right is split, right? And she'd walk up and down and she'd be talking to Jesus like this, you know, and she's, and she's spinning her things, you know, this whole, white, white hair and blue dress, short dress and high heels. And she was looking at Jesus, you know, swinging her beads and everything. And it was like, wow, wow, wow. You know, she was, you know, photo, tours would take photographs of her and everything. I remember one day thinking, okay, God, if you want me to end up like that, you can have it. <laughs> because she was the image of like, really left of centre, really, like, yeah. really out there, you know, <laughs> you know, so, so there needs to be a point of, you need to hit that point of surrender sometime, if you want to take the whole lot, you can have it, because if you're bartering with the truth, you're going to lose, you're going to lose, you're going to lose, It'll be yanked away from you because the tighter you grip, the, the more difficult it, it will be. It will be pulled away from you. Whereas if we're loose around it and we're like, hey, you know what? If that's what you want me to do, if, if it's on a park bench, if that's for my highest good, whatever way you want to work it out, if that's the way it's going to go, you can have that too. The surrender, funnily enough, is what makes it gentler. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's even, you know, there's a biblical story in the Old Testament, and not up on my characters now, the Old Testament, mind you, but, um, you know, that guy who was told to sacrifice his son and he brings his son up the mountain and he's just about to chop his head off? Abraham. Abraham. Okay. And Isaac. Thank you. All right. So, so, and he was about to chop and God said, hey, no, I just wanted to see you were ready. It's a, that's a fantastic story. That's a fantastic story. That's what it's about. It's like you will get called to chop your child's head off. Oh. You know, you will. If, if you grip tightly, of course you will. You know, that's what happened with Abraham and Isaac, no? It's like your own child. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like, it's a strong story, huh? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so in, in the, okay, okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to strike a deal with you, you know, with, with, what you are, what you are, but it's the personal eye who's striking a deal with what you really are. That's what we're talking about, no? Because mm -hmm. it's the personal eye who, who wants to hold the family together and hold work life together and hold it. And it's like, it will almost certainly be allowed to stay if you're okay with it going. You see? So it's about you saying, look, if that's what you want, there you go, you can have it. And I've seen it so many times in somebody breaking through that barrier and being okay actually it's okay if my sick child is taken it's okay if i lose everything and somehow their life gets richer but only if there's a thorough and deep letting go you can have it so there's a process to be walked through there that's very helpful okay <laughs> thank you yeah sure Ellen. sure okay
Okay. <laughs> and told me to come and sit here as well. Oh Just my God! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I really enjoy, uh, you know, being around your great Shakti. So, I have a question about. You know, I've read some of the texts, you know, and you know, as I am, I like to study texts, you know, yogic texts, you know, so. And I remember reading in the Upanishads, it says, the self is revealed only for those who are chosen. So, how do you become chosen? How did you become chosen for the self to be revealed to you? So, I do japa, you know, I meditate every day, I do yoga, I do a bunch of stuff for years. So I guess I have no, I have no, um, there's no way I can do enough to be, to know the self because if I'm not chosen, I'm not going to get there. Even though I have a guru, as you know, uh, we have received initiation from her, we have all the tools to be free. So what do we have to do to be chosen? If you can maybe tell me how you're being chosen yourself. <clears throat> okay, okay, so let's do the Jack story first and bring it around that way. Um, there, was, there was always a knowing that, that, even as a child, it's like, I'm going to kind of understand what this is about. I, I, I know I'm going to, I, I just know I'm going to do something different and, and not have a normal job like my older sisters or... I'm somehow going to understand what this is about. Um, and of course, like, what the heck is it about? What am I doing here? That was my, you know, my question through many years. Then when I was um, running a healing center and doing energy work around the clock, um, an odd time, maybe twice a year, I would bring a visiting healer from another country to like introduce a new modality and learn what skills I could. And, and this guy came from... Um, uh, oh, Chile, Argentina, Argentina, and I can't remember some place in South America. And and he had a master, and he kept talking about his master and his master and his master, and you know he was staying for a week or something, doing workshops in the house. And uh, and and I was like full of resistance for the idea of a master, full of it, full of it, and sure I ended up following the same teacher, you know. Um, so so it was interesting from that first meeting about a master, the second meeting. Second time he came, he said, I have a message from the master for you. It's like, yeah. It's like, here he goes with his master story again, and we're still at the airport, you know. And, uh, and he said, um, you can see the truth in, in this lifetime if you want. Oh. And, and I went, okay. And he said, I've never said that to anybody, and I don't know if I'm ever again going to say it to anybody, but, I, but I, I've had to tell you this. He said, that's okay. And he said... Are you, are you not completely delighted? And I was like, no, because I know there's going to be some understanding, and if it's the whole way, great. If it's not the whole way, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? Mm. And I think the fact that there wasn't this hell-bent desire grasping at it was a key component. 
Because even when I was told, which was probably five or six years before the truth showed itself, it was like, you know, I, I just got to keep going. I just got to keep going. I don't know. I, I have no option here. It's just unrolling itself, and I'm kind of going after it. You know, I, I'm, I'm, it's faster than I am. I'm playing catch-up with, with my journey. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Does it feel like that for you, that it's moving faster, or are you driving it? I was telling your Irish friend first, like, I think you guys from Ireland, when you want something, you just get it too, huh? I think so. There's something about Irish people, huh? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we've got, we've got a, an, an Irish man who loves being miserable, whoever is that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, to answer your question, so I think, I think I always had that desire when I was a kid. Okay. Because I never wanted to be Mr. having a job. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to live in my car, I don't have a house, you know, I used to tell my parents when I was 12, I will live in my car when I'm old, I don't want to have a house, I don't have anything. So I was yes. already kind of in that yes. desire to be free yes. by not owning anything. Not owning anything. Exactly. And I ended up living in an ashram for 10 years, so I mean, that was yeah. bliss for me there, honestly, yes. it was a great experience. But you know, destiny is there, I get married, get two kids, get the houses, two cars, Sure. you know, good number of can, three cars, you're right, three cars, I give one to my boy, yeah. <laughs> yes, sure. And so, I mean, and my life is beautiful that way, you know. It's not yes. like I'm complaining about being a householder. Yes. I love it. Yes, yes. But then it comes back, you know, this thing, okay, so... So, it's not about doing more practices. We're going to get me there. I've done so many practices. Yes. So maybe just letting go, whatever it's still karmically binding me to my identification, this TDA guy, you know, which is sometimes I always terrible in my class, you know, this DD is just sitting here teaching yoga, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to say today because I don't get trapped in my ego and prepare things to say yes. so whatever comes out of me Very good. and get me in trouble sometimes because Ragnar knows because I'm not totally free yet. Yes. So my, uh, my, um, Whatever I say in class sometimes comes from somewhere else. Yes. But because I'm not free, he has is tempted to sometimes yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not so sadvic all the time. Yes. I'm trying to chatter about myself too. So because I'm a teacher after all, yes. it is hard to figure out things I do, but so until I will be free from this karmic stuff that which bound me, I still gonna be somehow a half baked yoga teacher, you know. Yes. I will be not quite uh, as much as I want to be, too. Which okay. Is do it with freedom, not just... In freedom, yes. With this tented ego there still, of course. Yes. So... Was there ever a knowing that, that oh, truth yeah, would yeah, be seen? Uh, you mean this lifetime, if I know the truth yes. would be seen? No, if... It, yeah. Was there ever in your childhood or any, any place along the time a knowing, just that gut knowing that, oh yeah, the, the truth is going to be seen here. Freedom will come here. Was there ever that knowing? I think when I met Guru Mai, you know, uh, in India in 85, when I met her, that's what I knew somehow. I can become like her too. You know, because she's in a state of what you call bliss. Yes. So I thought, if she got it, maybe I can get it too. Because she was not born free. She had to do sadhana, you know. Yes. So that gave me a sense of maybe it's possible for me also to be in her state. Okay. If I can stick with her okay. and not run away from her. Because yes. I know she can give it to me. Yes. But I have to make some effort. But what effort can I do? 
Yes. Because <laughs> the karma is still there, you know. So it's yes, kind of like something still there's there. something still holding me. Okay. So it was seen as a possibility, mm-hmm. not the knowing. Not the knowing, because I projected on her. Okay. So my uh, my focus yeah. is her. Yeah. So I want to be like her, but it's still yeah. separation there. Yes, that's that's based on separation. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. A lot of folks who've seen the truth had the knowing somewhere mm-hmm. that, that the truth would be seen. And when that's there, the grasping for it isn't there. Mm. You see? That's why anyone told me, oh, you love Jack? I said, yeah, I do love Jack because, you know, uh, I like people who are free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I remember she asked me that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do love you because you have that freedom. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. it's easy to fall in love with people who are, who are free. Of course, you recognize yeah. what you yeah. really are. That's yeah. why yeah. you recognize, you know, the, the ego will imagine, I, you know, I'm grasping and I want that. But actually, it's just because it's mm-hmm. mirroring what you really are. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. You're in love with yourself. It's yeah, natural. Know. You know, That's why I like to hug you because I'm begging you. Somebody who is free from delusion. Sort of fan club. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Hmm. So, so, so being, anyway, yes. And so. being chosen, mm-hmm. what's in the Bhagavad Gita? Being in the being chosen using those words is very useful for making sure that don't desire this too much because you've got to drop the desires. Yes. That's really what that's about. Mm-hmm. Being chosen is like okay, then I'm powerless, and it it it, it stops the desire for it. Mm-hmm. So, is it possible to 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 be loose about it? It's like you know what I'm going to do my gig, and if I'm just like a warrior on the spiritual path all the time, so be it. And if truth is seen, so be it. Can you be that easy about it? Yeah, I think I can make the effort to, to go easy on it. <laughs> you pardon? I can make the effort to be more easy. Yes, yes. A lot of effort to take it easy. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it takes a lot of effort to, to yeah. take it easy. Yeah. yeah. I'm like you have an Aries, you know, so. Yes, yes. A lot of fire. Yeah. A lot of fire, yeah. Mm. Mm. But, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, I'm still very young. I feel so young still. Yes. So, and yes. it's not. I always felt like I need to keep my body very strong. Yes. Just because maybe. I need more more time to realize. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let go. Yes. I mean, yeah. And that's yes. the reason yeah. why yeah. I keep my body very strong over the years. Okay. Not because good. I want to have a strong body. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. It's just because maybe I can cut through the yes through the crap, you know. Okay. Yeah, with a strong body. Okay. So I do a lot of hatha yoga, you know, and yes, and um, over the years because I realize. Maybe that's the key for me for success. To get a strong body so I can eventually transcend the, yes. the silly mind. Okay. Okay. And would that happen without the motivation of desire to cut through the crap? How much of this is driven by desire and how much of it is an organic Truth is pulling you home. 
we took out desire, would you have the same spiritual practices? Or do you need desire? See, maybe you, you don't know, but the name DDA means desire. Wow, <laughs> really? That's what it does, yeah. Wow. I'll find out that later on. Earlier yeah. On. So, I think in the way you're asking, when I mature a little bit more, maybe. When, when I mature. When I mature a little bit more, maybe I would be able to really realize, okay, that was just a dream, this whole thing, you know, you're working so hard. And I think it's going to happen. But right now, I don't think I'm able to see that yet. Okay. Because I'm still. I still feel very young in my spiritual path. Yes, like yes. I'm still like okay. a kid. Okay. Do you have a belief that there will be many lifetimes then? Mm. <clears throat> I like to think, like uh, Krishna does, says, one life at a time. Okay. So okay. I don't care if I get free this lifetime, honestly. I don't really care. Ah, good stuff. I don't care. Ah, okay, this because is what we're looking for. I had a great ride this lifetime. Yeah. Even though I went through depression, I went through cancer. Great ride doesn't mean I have it easy. Yeah, I had yeah. cancer five years ago. I thought I was going to die. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I was depressed when I was 24. I wanted to commit suicide. Yeah, yeah. So when I say I have an easy ride, no, I'm not saying everything was nice. Yeah. But who cares? It was fun, though. Yes, yes, yes. Even the cancer was great. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> I contemplate I'm going to be dead in six months yes. before I get the result. Yes. So I okay. contemplate, okay, I'm yeah. 48, checked out. I don't have to brush my teeth in the morning, you know? It's yes. <laughs> okay, good. I don't have to take a shower, digest my food. It's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I had a great life. Yes. Even though Anne will tell you sometime, you know, it's difficult, as you know. Of course. Being married life, you know, it's been difficult course. too. You know, that part is not fun sometimes. Sure. But, sure. So coming back another lifetime and going through that, yeah. Not a big deal. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, so that, that thread yeah. is loose. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. What I'm after and what would help is if you can feel a natural impulse towards your spiritual practice without having the desire motivating it. And what would that look like? It would probably look like the way I feel right now inside. Like, I, uh, the throb of the heart. Yeah. It would be a sweet, a sweet thing. Always that throb. Yes. Mm. The spot, as they call it. That would be good enough. Yes. Mm. Yes. Be just a little bit more organic, and and it would soften the voice of the desire, which would soften it all around, because because what it feels like energetically from here is that you put all your desires into one basket. You know, because it's around it's around your spiritual path. Your life is about your spiritual path, so you've all your desires in together, and it's it's like oh, actually now let's just take away that basket. That's what I'm after. What would that look like? And to feel the movement and to authentically recognize what is the movement here? 
Is there a genuine movement towards the state that Gurumai is in? Is there a genuine movement or is it just desire? Your true nature is sitting there. I mean, it's, it's sitting there. It's, I'm looking at it. I'm talking to it. And then there's just consciousness playing as this character of Didier. You know, that, that's what's happening, like. That's all that's happening. There's nothing else going on, you know. So we're just moving the furniture for the character of Didier, you know. But you're not Didier. Consciousness believes part of it is Didier. But that's not you. The belief that consciousness has doesn't create a you. It doesn't create a you. It's just the belief. On the lucky day I have sometimes that experience in meditation when my consciousness actually moves a little bit above my head right here. Aha. Uh-huh. And I'm looking down at this guy sitting in lotus. Yes. And I'm thinking, Oh pretty nice lotus, did you? Miss but it's not me. Yes. So I know what you're saying. Yes. I don't have to be outside my body, but it's just no, interesting you when you realize that space of the witness. Yes. But I don't have that all the time, but, but I know when I have, okay, that's it. Yes. I don't have to be so trapped in this form and this body and this mm. mind stuff. Mm. I don't believe in my mind anymore. I, I kind of talk with that too, you know. Yes. I don't care what my mind thinks anymore. But, uh, but that experience of seeing myself sitting in meditation kind of gave me that chance to realize what you're saying it's, it's, but it's not all the time though it's okay yeah then I get trapped into teaching Ragnar yoga <laughs> <laughs> looking at the pretty girl in my class <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> yeah so to be chosen is to let go is to let go and you know the desire to see truth is really important and, and there's a recommendation to focus all your desires on one and let that be the last desire to go so I'm playing with hey let's if we take away that desire what's it going to look like because being chosen there is no desire there that's, that's the trick that's what that's about being chosen is like well so saying the one who realizes herself is the one who's chosen, actually, it's up to you to be the chosen. In a way, it's up to you letting go. Yes. So you, yes. you don't have to do it because letting go, you don't have to do anything. That's right. No, but somehow... It's, so stop investing it's still, in the eye. still investing yeah. in the eye. Yeah. yeah, stop investing in the eye. Yeah. Because God doesn't choose who the one is liberated because you are God. So God has no power to choose you. You yes. have the power to choose you. Because you are God? Because, yes, because yes okay. God. Yes. It's all you. It's, it's all, all you. You playing with losing you. You play with playing with finding you. Mm-hmm. You playing with leaving home and going home. It's, you're doing the whole thing. The whole thing. And Baba said, God dwells within you as you. And he used to tell people, if you don't believe me, God still dwells within you as you. He was like, firm. Yes. I don't care if you believe me or not. Yes, yes, yes. That's what it is. Yes. So if you just embrace this, Yes. There's nothing else to know. Yes, yes. Yeah. But it's, if it's only in an intellectual way, it means nothing. Yes. Anybody can say that, you know. Yes, that's right. Anybody can say anything. That's right. That's Big right. talks anybody can do. That's right. But to live it, to, live to it. feel yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's, that's what yeah, yeah. has to be there. It's, it's not easy. 
What do you think? But it's completely natural. Yeah, it's completely natural. Yeah, what's not easy is, is separated life, is imagining that you're separate. That's not easy. That's not easy. That's work. That's work. It's like a, it's like a contortion, a twisting of what's, what's natural, you know? Because that's why people are here, no? You're, you're no, you know that's like, it's, no, it's not where it's at. And, and it brings suffering, huh? Sure, you're welcome. I love you. Love you too, Didier. <laughs> Let's have a quick stretch. Cup of tea. Kind of 10, 12 minutes. Start coming back in 10 minutes. Okay, thank you. Well, I guess you already know that. Uh, yes, yeah, hi, Jim. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of the questions I had when you were talking before um, had to do with... Uh, a desire versus an authentic pull mm. from the divine, mm. and how you, what the difference that is. Mm. So. Mm. Mm. Okay, it's just, it's it's got to do with phases of maturing. Really, it's like a maturation because we we, we do mature spiritually. Mm. Also, we gain a wisdom mm. and different phases bring different gems of seeing and understanding. So, the, 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 uh, there's always exceptions, but this is the general trajectory, is that at a certain point, all of our desires get focused into, actually, do I want spirituality or do I want a better job? What do we really want? And it kind of focuses down into, no, I want to know the truth. And so we end up focusing it in on one one desire, which is like, you know, no matter what, this is the only thing that's important. This is the only thing I really have to do, mm-hmm. is find out what's real. That kicks in for people. Now, what that does is it ignites a fire. It kind of gets a fire going and an impetus going from there. When it becomes time for, to see that actually the desire is going to be the problem, when a real understanding of desire comes along, it's like, oh my God, the desire is keeping me alive because there has to be a personal I who has the desire. And as long as the personal I is there, my attention isn't at home in what I really am. So the desire for God is keeping God away. And once that shows itself, and it has to show itself. Gods have spoken, is right. <laughs> Let me show myself. Boom. Yes, please. <laughs> so, so once, once there's a recognition, and it needs to be recognition that the desire is a problem. Do you know, it can't be like, oh yeah, Jack said the desire is a problem. It's like, no, no, no. You've got to feel it. It's like, my God, this is blocking. This is, this is keeping me alive. This desire is keeping the me alive. What you find then that there's underneath there is some movement, like the movement towards good health, the movement towards harmony, that natural movement. There's a movement towards the, the evolution, the evolution of, of, of my consciousness, so that the personal consciousness dies off, is seen through, and pure consciousness, pure perceiving, that pure perception can be trusted to be the real view of this illusion. Now, 
There is that movement beneath it all the time. If you're not finished in the world, that movement is going to be very quiet and it will patiently wait. So mm. while the world is doing it for you, you can't feel that pull towards the truth. You can't feel it. It just says, I'll hang on, I'll hang on, because you've got things to do first. Um, as maybe some of you or many of you know, Shivaratri is coming up this uh, Friday. Friday. And uh, I find myself, as far as desire versus more of a divine pull, wanting, I've been working on these new chants. Yes. Uh, and I've, uh, I've learned three new chants in the last couple of weeks. And I've been kind of scratching my head thinking, am I, what, what's motivating me to doing this? Am I doing this because, uh -huh. uh, you know, I want to impress other people with I've created new chants? Or is this a natural pull? From the divine to, to, to want to become more devotional. I, yes. I'm not sure how I can differentiate those desire from or the natural yes. pull there. So just before the idea of, oh, I'm going to write something new, what happened? Or did the writing come like in the middle of the night? More excitement than anything else. Learning, just, there's something about the learning process and, uh, uh, that I, I just find exciting. Yes. Okay. Okay. So if so is that desire or is that a pull? That that feels <laughs> like that feels like it's a characteristic of the char of of the personality okay. of the gym character. Yeah, okay. That there's an excitement in the creative aspect, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Creativity is enjoyed. Now, desire can jump on top of that and say, mm, "What can I get out of this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can get recognition. I can get." Yeah. Right. You yeah. see. But the way you speak about it, like it's like at the inception of an idea. What was in? What was? What are the ingredients you put in before you bake the cake? That's a good way mm -hmm. to check it out. And the ingredients were excitement and learning. You yeah, said, yeah, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. like, yeah, that's creativity. Yeah. That's pure, beautiful creativity. Yeah. So somewhere it looks like the desire might have jumped on top of the ride. I see. You know. Right. So if you can peel it back to just. Let the pure creative process do something. It'll either manifest and the three chants will be played on Friday night or not. Let's see. But allow mm -hmm. it to just, to, for that creativity to keep flowing. Right. To yes. be the motivator. Okay. Uh, I have one other question. And um, uh, as I had told you before, when we were talking in the intermission, that I, I, I like the, the, uh, the model you were talking about. And... Uh, Seems like a real how-to as far as how to differ, uh, disidentify with yes. the ego, the body, the mind, the thoughts, the emotions, and the whole story of this whole character. You know? Yeah. And I like that. Um, I, I guess where I'm a little confused is where the compassion of mindfulness comes in, because I'm very much influenced by mindfulness. Okay. So if I'm having a disturbing thought or emotion or, for example, last summer I broke my elbow and I was really in pain, um, you know, there can be a tendency to observe it, you know, to witness it, to kind of disidentify with it. That, that isn't me, you know, and that's just my whole story. That's the character of Jim with the broken arm and all that. And, you know, I can sort of see the value in that and yet there's another part of me that wants to exhibit compassion for that part of me. So where, where does compassion, the, the, the loving kindness, the tenderness for oneself when one is suffering, how, how does that mm. fit good, in good with, with the model of the disidentification into this 
with the self watching the character. Okay. 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 <clears throat> it's a very good question. Um. Hmm. Let me find a proper answer for this now, and it's gonna not confuse things. Okay, I'm gonna have to qualify it. All right. So, so compassion means different things for different people. Compassion that's based on me having compassion for something else, that goes. Because me having, like one aspect of me having compassion for something else, yeah. okay, that, that, that will go. From pure perception, pure consciousness, in the pulling back, mm -hmm. there, there, there is absolute love flowing through all of it. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's... it's it's the movement of it. It's, it's, it's the movement of it. it itself is love. Mm -hmm. okay. And so it's not like something, it's like the, the grid of having compassion for this. It's like it starts to arise. There's just love for the character. There's just tenderness for the character. So it's not like, because the observer can't do tenderness for the gym character. The observer is benign. It's just watching without judgment, without anything. So if you're watching the gym character, yeah, there is no compassion. No, there is no compassion. Of course, because that's the observer. So then we go prior to that, huh? And we take steps, steps back. If you can just take a leap to like this organic flow, how does that connect? Because at the end of the line of the organic flow is the gym character. Is there love that flows through to the gym character? Or is that there's the concept of love? Is my understanding of love in a dualistic way that it must be something from something? Because there, there is a knowing here that, that love runs through it. It's, it's, it's kind of all about love. It's all about so is the, lo is the love part, is that coming from um, the observer or still part of the gym character? Yeah, it comes from what you really are. Because observer is a position, it's the impersonal, it's an impersonal part of mind, okay, to be able to watch it. Now, go prior to that, to the observer. Because if it's the observer looking at Jim, yeah, it can't, it can do, you can turn on compassion, but you'll actually have to have the concept of compassion and have compassion mm -hmm. for him. You can do that and actually consciously <coughs> feel compassion for the Jim character. But, but the, that won't come naturally to the observer. It'll have to be a conceptual thing, sending compassion to him from the observer. Now, that which, the natural organic flow, that's full of love. Mm. The natural organic flow does, I am, does pure consciousness, I, I am, observer, gym character. Okay. It's a one big long trajectory. And as we step back, from the gym character to watching the gym character, you've taken the first step back. Uh, okay. There are other stages. Oh, okay. Some people leap them. Yeah. And like, like Eckhart Tolle, he leaped back. And so it took him a couple of years on the park bench to regulate, to recalibrate again to be able to function. Whereas the way we're doing it step by step, you can live a regular life and do it step by step. So, so if you take a big leap from, 
from the observer to actually what is underpinning all of it. That which I am and, and the flow of consciousness, pure consciousness comes out of it. There's love there. There's love, 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 love. It, through all of that. Through all of that. Right? How, how to get behind the observer yeah. into that consciousness of divine love. That's your exploration. That's yeah, your how, exploration. How does one do that? You see, the how starts to wear thin because the how comes from the gym character. Mm. <laughs> because it's the gym character. So now we've gone deeper into the gym character to find out how to get behind observer. Mm. So the how, you see, the how stops working. But what does work is go prior to the observer. So you're pointing, go prior to this, prior to this. What's not looking at the gym character, but the gym character is allowed to do his thing? What's not actively observing? Go prior to that. That's very deep. It's very? Very deep. Yes. That brings you into the depth of what you are. For some, it's spaciousness. For some, emptiness. For some, deep. Yes, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. For some, fear comes up, and it's like, like, oh, yeah, okay, go through the fear. If that's what's kept you in your character and stops you going into the deep, of course, let the fear come. It feels kind of like the sky of being, okay. the sky of awareness. Okay. Hang out there. Mm, a nice place to be. Yes. Hang out there. The gym mm. character can't hang out there because mm. the gym character will make a version of it and turn it into a state of mind. <laughs> but it's not actually a state of mind. Mm. The natural state is what happens in the body-mind when there is that space, when the gym character isn't running, basically. Does that make okay. sense? Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. Sure. Jack, I think that's what I was alluding to when I said there's a natural tenderness for the body. Yeah. Because it's consciousness. That's what I was alluding yeah. to. Yeah. Because it's all love. Yeah. It's all love. Yeah. yeah it's, all it's all love. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Jack. How are you doing? You came with your notebook. Yeah. I'm great. <laughs> Good. I didn't want to be foolish. Yeah. yeah, it's great. You can be foolish too. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Good. It'll take a while or maybe a couple of sessions. So you'll stop me when you're ready. Don't you worry. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Very, sure. very um, um, wonderful, wonderful experience. You had talked about uh, your uh, dialogue with uh, Bhagwan, I call him Bhagwan Maharishi, uh, like three years ago. Can you are you able to describe that a little bit? What it was all about? Um, sitting in it's the sitting in the ashram. Of course, lots of clarity comes. Mm-hmm. Lots of clarity comes, and. Um, I suppose since, since hooking up with the first teacher I had and then shifting onto Ramana Maharshi, um, the way that, that the Jack character experience that they worked was that it was, it, was, it was like a cleaning off of the layer that was currently being believed in. It was always a clearing off of the layer. Do you know? And it's like, oh, that was a layer. I didn't even know I was caught in that. That was a layer and of falling into a deeper sense of what was real, until, of course, the bottom fell out of it. So it always felt like, woof, a wiping away of the layer where I was hanging out and dropping and wiping away of the layer and dropping, so that they weren't helping me to live in any way. There was nothing to do with the world. It was always exposing 
the, the cobweb that, that I was caught in, that I was, didn't even see I was caught in. So the revelations used to come like that. Um, uh, when Before I knew, I'd heard of um, Shiri Manahashi's name, and I, I had gone to, to, to Truvanamalai to do a yoga course, to try and break my resistance to yoga. <laughs> and the others just still kind of running. But this <laughs> um, is not my gig. Anyway, um, so, so at the, it was at the other side of Runachala. And I quit the yoga course on the second day and was with somebody, a friend at the yoga course. I said, you know, I'm just going to go around to the local village and I'll hang out there and I'll see you in five weeks or whenever the course is done. I went around and went, oh, holy Moses. The night before I quit the course, this old guy appeared in the room. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Bagwan. And, and, and he, he, he was sitting on a chair inside the door. He just said, your search is going to end. Yeah, okay. You know, it's like, okay, fine, but I believe it when it happens. You know? <laughs> and then, poof, then he was sitting on the bed. The second one. Um, uh, oh, what did he say? Uh, so, uh, yeah, what, 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 whatever you feel is asked of you, don't question it, don't doubt it, go with it. I was like, okay. And he said, really? Don't, don't work out your, don't bring in your rational mind at all. Totally follow through. That level of surrender is what I request. Right? Mm. And then he went, he appeared on the second bed, because there, there was two twins. And he appeared on the second bed, and sat in the second bed, and said something else. What was the third thing? It'll come to me now, Alan. Gosh, I can't remember. It's not coming. It's not coming. It might come, but it's not coming right now. The other time that he appeared was after the first year in India. First, whatever. Yeah, year. Um, I came back and finished Born to be Free because I didn't have the language. Most of it was written. And, and I was like, I, I don't have the language to, to say what I know. I, I don't have it. And I went through and obviously attended lots of satsang and didn't know what satsang was before India and found the language and finished the book. So I was in Spain, living in a house on my own, on a cliff, on one of the islands, one of the Canary Islands, um, for a couple of months before I had to, I gotta go back there, I gotta go back to India. And so when I was there finishing Born to be Free, one morning, I was just kind of waking up, knowing that like, you know, you're just, you're just coming out of a dream state and you're, you're realizing that you're dreaming. And then Ramana appeared and my eyes were closed and he appeared. And he had, he had the clothing on that he appears, so that he appears in usually. So he had his, the cloth around him, and he, he was holding a stick. He was quite old, quite frail, and, um, and he put his hand up to me and put his finger on my forehead, and he said, the truth, it will be seen very soon. And this huge light came. I could feel something on my physical forehead, and this blinding light went, whoa! And I jumped, I jerked back in the bed, you know, and the light just started to fade. The light was in the physical room. 
and it just started to fade and there was no Ramana, it was just the light in the room. You know, and I went, wow, okay. And it was like, as always, okay. But it was like, gosh, it's Ramana then. It's not my first teacher. It's because my first teacher brought me to Ramana and there was such devotion to my virgin teacher that I thought, Ramana is going to be something that I need to learn the way and I'll go back to my original teacher. But no, it was like, ah, okay, it's, it's Ramana. It's Ramana then. Ramana is, it's totally Ramana. Um, and the next trip that I went back to India, what I understand now was the, the default mode network switching off, that, the permanent transformation, because lots of different wacky wild things happened, um, of course, as they do. Um, uh, but during that second, second year after Spain, that's when I was, you know, having that cold shower in India one morning, and it was just whoa, my, something is, my brain is breaking. It's like, if I hadn't been on the spiritual path, I probably would have thought I'm having a brain tumour or something is popping. I'm bursting some blood vessel. Something is bursting in here. There's a feeling of something popping inside. And yeah, and there was a, this sensation, I don't know how long it lasted for, but something was moving apart in my brain. There was a peeling back in, in my brain and I could feel, I thought, okay, this is either going to, in some way, be significant on the spiritual path or the experience of being in a psychiatric hospital in India has to happen. <laughs> May it be as it'll be. Whichever way it's going to go, it's going to go. And since then, the personal eye, this never appeared as real. Never. Desires weren't burned out. There was another bit to go on desire. But, but it was still known. It's, it's illusion, but there's desire. Okay, come on, keep cleaning this up. You know, and just working out the, the, the fine manipulative energies of ego, you know? So, so that, they're the, the, the communication directly with Ramana in terms of not him wiping out, wiping out, wiping out. Okay. So how did you um, get rid of the desires? Yeah. So a lot of denial of the body happened over the years. Um, and that helped a lot. There are gentler ways, but it helped a lot. Because whatever the body would come up for, it would just not motivate action. Be like, yeah, you want that body? I hear it. No action. Action must come from someplace else. So there was a, a, a proactive spiritual practice for a long time not to follow a desire. That anything, whatever, what I would eat, what I would say, where I would go, how I would spend my time, what I would order in a cafe, anything would come from a pull that was not desire. I would listen to see what the desire was and I'd do the opposite. Just do the opposite. Move as far away from it as I could. Then it all converged into the desire for sex. That was torture. Torture. It was the worst it is the most potent desire of all. If it grabs you, it's torture. And the, it even manifested physically. It was kind of like a hot flash now that I know what they are. And it was like... <laughs> it was like... It, it, it would arise. It would arise, obviously, from sex organs, base chakra, whatever, and just... Woof, and come up like a rush. A craving that would consume on a cellular level. It was, it just, it, the energy had no place to go, so, so it, it was coming out through the body. 
So, um, there was a few years of, of, of it being like that, torturous, torturous. And I remember talking to my ex-husband at the time about it and saying, it's just gone nuts. It's just gone nuts. Because it was, it was, you know, it was when I started going to India, it was really when, when the spiritual path started to quicken, when there was nothing else going on except spiritual path. And I remember talking to him about it. And he said, yeah, but sure, I want sex all the time. And I said, no, actually, this is completely different. And, and so he said, okay, explain it. And I said, all right, let's just go for a walk and, and chit-chat. And I'm going to count on my mala how many times the thought of sex comes up. And I ran out of my 108 beads in four or five minutes. <laughs> Torture, just like Constantly, constantly, constantly. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. It was just like trying to have a conversation and bump, bump. And it was, it was violent. Just constantly, constantly, constantly. An image of sex, a pull for sex, wanting sex, wanting sex. So it was like, okay, let's just have loads of sex. Let's get rid of it. Maybe I hadn't had enough sex. <laughs> had loads of sex. Didn't work. It didn't, had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And that was a great breakthrough to see that the amount of sex I had had nothing at all to do with the desire. Nothing. Nothing at all. I said, aha, that's, that's interesting. So a desire can run. It's completely got to do with my mind. It actually isn't even the satisfaction that you get from dropping a desire and that peace before the next one comes. I'm not even getting that. Not even getting that. It's just this continuous craving. So it gave me a good handle of like, Satisfying a desire that's got nothing to do at all with the energy of desire. Nothing to do at all. We just imagine that, that we're desireless for a while. But the next one, you know what I mean? It can come right in. It's the gap of having satisfied desire disappeared. Disappeared. Mm -hmm. So that satisfying the desire did nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. It takes a bit of discernment for somebody to know if they need to have a load of ice cream, chocolate, sex, travel, whatever it is you need to do. If there is desire for something, while, while having loads of sex didn't actually get rid of the desire, there was a need to have it, to discover what, to discover and really know that the object of desire has actually now got nothing to do with the desire at all. For me to really understand that the desire loop is the ego keeping the eye alive, because that's what it was doing, keeping, keeping the, the eye alive. Even though it was known to an illusion, it was still felt, known that it was an illusion. So, so is it necessary to have loads of the object of your desire? For some people, yes. Absolutely, yes. And so if Anybody here, because desire is, you know, desire is the most potent thing that to keep you alive, the eye alive. If, if you have one really, really, really strong desire, if you need to crack that desire, if it's burning and you're onto it, sit with it and discern and say, okay, do I need to satisfy the desire? Do I need to spin out the desire like that? Some desires will spin out. You just need to have an experience. And then some desires, they won't spin out at all, no matter how much you have. The wisdom to know the difference comes from trial and error. Mm. Trial and error. I don't have any quick fix there. You've got to develop that wisdom, that discernment yourself. So no matter what the desire is for, it's like, okay, have it and need it. Watch yourself, like, of course, don't get lost in the world of desire. But like, okay, I need to have loads of this for six months, for a year, for a week. 
five days if it's chocolate, that'll do it, you know. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it's like, okay, give yourself time to really play and exhaust the desire and, and ring fence the time. Say, okay, what did I learn? What did I learn from it? And do whatever you have to do. Break all your, break, break your rules, you know, because this is where the body will take the rap. But it's kind of, you know, this is one of the areas, huh? You know, because it, it's often bad for our body because we want, because we were told we can't have, and you have to kind of weed through all of those aspects of your belief system, you see? So this is one area of, of where, well, see how it is, you know, just your body will take a certain rap, but just keep it in mind, keep it in mind. So work, you got to work out, is desire pulling me towards an experience that needs to be had, or is desire simply a loop that has nothing at all to do with the object of desire? You have to figure that one out. If desire is grabbing you, if you're onto it, you've got to figure that one out. That's the big turnaround. Because then desire is isolated as, an, as a mind loop. And you can say, this is the desire for sex, but my mind says it's for sex. It's actually just desire. Then it started to break. Then it was like, okay, 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 I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Because it was no longer object. It, it wasn't then tied to subject object. So then there was just desire that wasn't in the depth of the dualistic framework. So, so then the desire was pulling back. And it's like, okay, there's an observation of desire, but there's no object of desire. All right, now it's starting to recede. It lost its power because it needed the object to have its potency. Mm. That's why it was so significant to figure out whether it is really the object that needs to be experienced or whether it's desire without object. That's the turning point for desire. Make sense? Yes. Great. Now you talked in the book about this is all a mental gymnastic. The desire is a creation of the mind. It's yes. Part of the mind. Yes. And you cannot turn that off with the mind. The mental framework, the mental yes. tapestry yes. has to, there has to be a power beneath that. So yes. that's where you talked about the I am sense. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so is that, that's what you're just saying? You are yes. observing the desire and see who the desire was, who was desirous? That didn't work for me. That? The who am I didn't work. Okay. Didn't work. I had to get a deeper understanding of, of, of how the, the mental framework mm -hmm. was held together. And what held it together was the object of desire had nothing to do with desire. And so with the understanding of the framework, then of course I had objectivity on it. I said, ah, oh, I can just see it as a loop. It's no longer about sex. It's just a loop. I can just see it. And from that, of course, we can come back and see that it's about nothing. Great. Now, the desire basically is the misinterpretation that we have that we want to be happy. Yes. Right? That's our fundamental goal. Yes, something outside will right. make me happy. Right. And we mistake the pleasure for happiness. We right? do. Okay. The so, absence of desire right. for happiness. Yeah. So, um, can we then, uh, there is some Buddhist practice that you assume that when you are the most happiest in your life, imagine that, and try to concentrate and build that. Yes. And that way you don't, and then you realize that the happiness was not outside, Yes. The happiness came from within. Yes. For example, you think about ice cream and you start drooling yes. without even having an ice cream. So yes. the mind is creating the happiness. Yes. Right? So then the need for the object goes away, right? Yes. So that meditation, is that something helpful to go get rid of the desire? Because recognizing that the joy or the whatever it is, yes. the kick, yes. is not out there in the object, it's yes. in the mind. Yes. Yes, because, okay, if when you're doing that Buddhist practice of... of 
the, the, the satisfaction of a desire, that place, that time you were really happy, what you're really doing is you're generating a desireless state mm -hmm. because you're only really happy when there's no desire running. We can call it satisfaction pleasure. So that's what you're doing. You're creating a desireless state. If that works, fantastic. Because what you're doing is what you're doing is your attention is getting used to desirelessness. Mm -hmm. It's useful for sure. It's useful. You're bringing it home. Yes, you're bringing it home. There is another Buddhist practice I think that's very helpful. Is um, uh, negative feelings, a feeling of fear, or feeling of panic, or paranoia, or anger. And then instead of suppressing it, or instead of expressing it, befriending it, which means know that get your fear, whatever yes. negative feeling is, yes. in addition to bring everybody else's fear with it. Okay. Like uh, tied in a bundle. Yes. If you will. And then surrender that yes. to the prior to. Okay. Mm. You're bringing it into the fire, huh? Right. Mm. Where it has no place. Right, a fire, fireplace. Yes. And give it to whoever you want to call, Bhagwan or whatever you want to call. Yes, yes. So yesterday we were talking about the mental techniques of dealing with grief. Yes. But those are, to me, I mean, I just want your opinion on this. Those are kind of at a surface level, the, the, the wave level. Would this other technique, would that be a more deeper and more permanent, more enduring cure? Because mm. the idea was, you we just thought about it yesterday, that go through the, the depth of human experience. Yes. Having anguish, yes. live through it. Yes. But if we ultimately we know from the mystics or whatever that you, uh, that is not you, that is just yes. the body attaching importance yes. to that. Of course. Then why not extinguish the microwave it? Okay. Why go through that? What is the purpose? When you're already in it, you have to go through it. Because the person I was talking to was actually kind of, can I avoid it? And it's like, no. Some, sometimes you can go around the wall and sometimes you have to go through it and it takes discernment to know the difference. Mm. So if there is, and everybody's different, and this is where self, brutal self-honesty is your greatest tool. If you can like, okay, there's fear there. If there is a sixteenth of an inch of a motivation to not feel the fear. If there is fear of feeling the fear, motivating bringing it into the furnace, putting at the feet of Sri Bhagavan. If there is that motivation there, you ain't doing nothing, you're just moving the furniture. If there is an understanding of what fear is, and if, it, if the experience has been felt, and if there's like, yeah, I know what it is, actually it's just Maya, it's just more Maya. Not because I read it, but because there's no fear of it. It, it, it moves through the form, it does this to the body, I get it, I get it, that's what fear is. If there is that understanding, then of course, you're the master of it. You're the master of it and you bring it in. Whereas if in any way something has more power of you, it will power, that power over you. If the mind has power over you, the mind will gain more power by, with avoidance, with encouraging you to avoid it. And that takes discernment to know the difference. Some things you've got to feel. If you're afraid of it, you've got to feel it. Whereas if there's a total understanding of it and you know it, of course, of course, now consume it, consume it and bring other things with it. No problem. Huge, enormous fear. No problem. And throw it into the fire. Do you see the difference? Yeah. The feeling is driven by a thought. There is a thought. 
and there is a feeling, right? Yeah. And ultimately, we know that the thoughts do not exist. Yeah. Thoughts are fictions, yeah. right? So can we look at that as an emptiness? There's an emptiness of a thought and a feeling. I mean, the fear yes. is coming, but is it real? Yes. real? The fear is based on a thought. Yes. And if I didn't have this thought, I yes. wouldn't have the fear. Yes. Right? That's right. So is that like a way of objectifying fear and witnessing developing a space? Yes. If, if, if you have the capacity to see the thought arising before it manifests mm -hmm. as an emotion, fantastic. A lot of people don't. But if it slows down enough that you can like, ah, I recognize the thought that gave rise to this. There's no substance in the thought, and then the emotion isn't an issue. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, okay. sure. <laughs> uh, you thought about surrender. Now, uh, you know, Bhagwan talked two methods. One was self-inquiry or vichara, atma-vichara. And the second was surrender. We said it's like a bhakti. Yes. So, can you elaborate yes. on the surrender part? Part. What does that exactly mean? What are you? Who is yes. surrendering to whom? Because yes. then it's interesting that you are being the duality yes. to overcome duality. Yes, you're using a thorn to take out a thorn, huh? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Absolutely. But we initially said that the mind cannot cure itself. That's right. So there seems to be a bit paradox. That's right. Okay, so the two types of surrenders that you've identified. With both, who's going to get rid of the one who's doing the surrendering? Who, what is going to surrender the surrenderer? Because no matter which method of surrender we talk about, there's still somebody surrendering. And who's going to get rid of the one who's surrendering? So at some point, they, bo they both hit, hit a wall because there's somebody doing the surrendering. But at a certain point, surrender is necessary because it drops the controller and it hands over and it allows and it lets you be more fluid and allows the natural flow to use your form and you step out of the way. So along the way, it's really useful. At the end of the line, it's, it won't take you all the way. It can't, it can't mm -hmm. because the one who's surrendering is still there, busy surrendering with both bhakti and, mm -hmm. and, and whatever yeah. I was saying. Whatever, yeah. whatever I was yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah the, the, the path of, of self-knowledge, mm -hmm. yeah, the self-inquiry path. So is the, is the character splitting himself like a schizophrenic into two, two characters, and then one trying to surrender itself to the other character? Yes. Right. So uh, both are characters, both are figments. Um, it's, it's, it's split itself into two because the two is the subject-object, because, because the subject, the, what you think you are, is surrendering to what you really are. What you really are doesn't know anything about this surrendering mechanism, and it doesn't need anything to surrender to it. It's not interested at all. But, but we imagine when the personal is running, and that's where the split comes, because, because we have the subject-object framework going on. Did you ask me something else? Did I miss the thread? No, you couldn't. Okay. So, so the character yeah. is surrendering to the pure perception. Yes. You want to call that, or you want to call it... And the character has made pure perception an object. Right. Or the absolute, whatever you want right. to call that. Essence. Because the character is not capable of knowing the pure perception. Correct. Because it's beyond perception. Correct. So it's made an idol of it. Correct. And then surrendering to the idol. Spot so on. So it's a technique. Yes. But only a partial technique to get to halfway house. Not all It depends on where it kicks in. People are at different stages at different times. Something that might sound so basic is actually the last straw for somebody. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. beautiful, the tapestry of how it works. Everything is significant all the time, actually. 
Right. You know, it's only our idea of linear time and progression and evolution and these things that distort that. Yeah. So it's basically uh, designed to break the back of the ego. Yes. Because, because that's no all we can talk door. about. Right. Yeah, that's all we can because talk about. Because doership is the, one of the biggest obstacles. Right? The, the doership comes from embodiment. If sense. there's ownership of the right. doership, yes. Right. And even to say, I am not the doer, there's too much ownership in it. Because the I is... is is the doer or is not the doer? Hi, that's duality. That's the two sides of the one coin. I am not the doer. I don't buy it at all. I'm taking pride in not being the doer. Oh, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. I'm not the doer. It just happened and it's like, goodness sake. Okay. Yes. There's another hiding place, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So the, the doership comes from our misbelief that we are the body. Yes. Is that like the original sin kind of? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'm the body. I'm, I'm, I am what I think I am. Okay. Now, you talked about purification a little bit the other day. What What's the intent and the substrate of purification? Yeah. Why do we need purified? Who needs to be purified? Yeah, yeah, exactly. While within Maya, within the illusion, we have enlightenment. We have self-realization. It's within the illusion. It's a happening within the illusion. And it's about knowing the truth within the illusion, which is rather paradoxical. Mm -hmm. Now, when the truth is seen, okay, it's enlightenment, it's awakening. The shift from seeing the truth to this body-mind mechanism being a total clear vessel with no contamination at all, influenced by Maya, by, by, by the character. That's the shift between awakening and liberation. For that, there needs to be, the heart needs to be clear. It needs to be completely pure, completely. The heart needs to be cleaned out. Otherwise, it's just an intellectual awakening. That's fine, it has its place. But it won't go to liberation. And liberation is when no concept, no belief, nothing motivates the movement. Now, the understanding that I have of, of it to date, and it's an ongoing process, no? is, is that what, what is seen now is that the functioning of the working mind comes after the movement of consciousness. The working mind is picked up. The, the, working, the working mind comes in slowly. It's like the work... Okay, so the thinking mind, the thinking mind disappears with awakening, all right? Thoughts are no longer... They're just not believed at all because you know it's just a mechanism for functioning and they're just not believed because the mind is a liar. And it clearly shows itself. And that's seeing the truth. Because you see what's real and what's unreal. And you know that you are not the character. Residue of the character, conditioned thoughts, beliefs, can redirect and influence what is said and what is done. It's like um, Jedi Krishnamurti talking in front of profound stuff in front of thousands of people. Fantastic material. But had his therapist giving him a pep talk before the big talks because he was riddled with anxiety. Mm. Riddled with anxiety. He had a devotee who used to go to see Yuji Krishnamurti, the Bangalorean chap, who just died five or six years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and every time that that devotee would come back, he'd say, what's he saying? What's that guy down in Bangalore saying? What's he saying? You know, it's like, what? So there's a few little things that, that tell me, no, that's, that's not liberation. 
That's like, that's like, you know, anxiety is being managed by, you know, he's, he's managing it. Okay, fair enough. Functioning is coming in. The working mind is managing it. But anxiety fundamentally starts from separation. It, it's a residue of me being separate from my group and I'm under threat or my <clears throat> image is at, is at stake here or I am performing. So there's some residue there. That's the difference between awakening and liberation is to get rid of all of those pieces. And it's the Jack style to be very thorough, to go after every little thing. <laughs> so, so, so that's what, I, you know, there's an advocacy for that is like clear out the heart, clear it out, be a total empty vessel and keep checking that it's empty and let that vigilance continue. It all happens in Maya anyway. It's just a game of the illusion. What you are doesn't care about liberation, awakening, nothing, nothing, of course. This is Maya, but this is the evolution of, this is how it rolls, huh? This is how it rolls. And we're pulled towards a refinement and a purity. But who is seeking to purify? Ah, consciousness. Consciousness is, is manifesting in any which way it can. But why would consciousness be concerned about purification? It's not concerned it's about self, it. It's itself very pure. It's not concerned about it at all. Okay. It's not concerned about it at all. So you talked about, I think, experience is not realization. And realization is not liberation. There's an old sentence. So what you had mentioned earlier, you'll see for you, Jay Krishna, with this example, that maybe he, you know, he had the realization, but not purified the vasanas. Yeah, he hadn't purified the vasanas. Okay, so uh, that's the, where the purification comes Yes. In. And what's the mechanism to purify? Hmm. Vigilance is your greatest tool, and self-honesty is your second, second greatest one. Integrity is your third greatest one. Mm. And if those tools are active every day, Purification will happen. Okay. Is that maybe that crossroad point where some get stuck and then may reverse back, falling back from grace? Yes. So to speak? Yes. Because, you know, when we hear about some gurus that are, have 98 Rolls Royces and yes. have all these scandals yes. and they have realized an experience, I'll say, how can that be? Yes. Yes. And, and we can only imagine how it is because we don't know. We, we really don't know. We can just use it as an example to try and understand. But it could be that that guru who had the 98 Rolls Royces was showing a different model, was actually, was consciousness breaking up the model that spirituality and poverty are bound together. Mm -hmm. Here's an example of how they're not. It could have been consciousness just saying, let's manifest the opposite for the fun of it. It could be like this. Was it his basanas for greed? I don't feel that. I'm not sure. It's just Jack perception, huh? We don't really know, but we can see what, what, what's to be learned here. What's to be learned here? Something to be learned in every moment. Okay. We have... Want to take You're a break. fine. Oh! Uh, uh, we can, I have more material. Okay. Let's, let's, let's pick it up after lunch. Okay. Can we do that? Yeah. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, folks. Enjoy lunch.